Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, hey, happy Monday, everybody. This is David Cook with another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. And I have a special secret surprise guest, Kate Turner. Kate was uh, on the show, the original first guest ever on this podcast. And um, because she um, had the uh, uh, the professional presence to say something on LinkedIn about the this episode, I quick dialed her up and said, guess what? You're going to join me. So, Kate, thank you. Thanks for joining the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to learn from you today. <laughs> yeah, learn. We're going to learn from each other. But anyway, um, because I didn't, I didn't plan a formal introduction. Let's just take uh, 30 seconds and um, let you tell everybody who you are. So before we get going. Okay. Well, I am a coach for people who are in transition in their life or their career. I help them make sense of the chaos that comes with change and help them find fulfillment and contentment on the other side. Nice. Yes, yes, she does. And um, the reason that I did jump on the uh, LinkedIn invite is because Kate does provide a lot of wisdom and, um, and and engages in a lot of interesting conversations on LinkedIn. So I uh, and I've known you what probably about 15 years. So um, yeah, um, you're a known and trusted colleague and friend. So um, you asked me why I chose this crazy subject, uh, exploring truth beliefs and subjective realities. And, you know, I think that's a great question. We could start right there is, is that, you know, I look at um, Kata in into the audience too, is, is I just kind of look at what's going on in our society today. We are incredibly polarized. Um, it seems like everything that we do is, is either in an argument or on the threshold of an argument or is doing everything we can to run away from one. And the reason is, is that I, I think a lot of it has to do is, is that we, that, you know, as individuals, we're pretty cemented in what we believe, or we're pretty cemented in what we think we know. And when people challenge it or threaten it, or maybe the activities that are going on around us is, is challenging our behaviors and how we want to live or how we want to engage with others. People are telling us we can't, or people are encouraging us to change it. We try to defend or position are you know why we're doing what we're doing based on a fact or a belief or a truth or or a subjective reality and i you know it's kind of interesting because i feel like what we do is we we want to leverage who we are where we are with some you know be beyond an opinion but with some sort of factoid <laughs> you know this is reality this is you know and i'm right and 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 it just it by by doing that it just kind of prevents us from exploring. And I thought let's talk about it because it's in my mind, you know, I'm an old guy, so you know, I'm going to probably sound like one of those guys back in the day. But you know, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting to the point, Kate, where I feel like it's getting worse. It's getting more intense, and it's it, it, somehow we just got to slow it down, back it up, and find a way. I don't know that we can stop it, but at least we can slow down the the negative energy. I don't know what your thoughts are. Your yeah. A lot of what you said really resonates with me. And I feel like 
there's a difference between conflict and conversation, which I think you're alluding to a little bit where conversation is really about seeking to understand and be understood. Whereas conflict arises when there's a belief that there's only one solution, right? Or one reality, one truth. And so you bring two people together that each hold that belief. Of course, there's going to be some tension there because you're not seeking to really understand the other side. You're just trying to espouse what it is that you believe and what you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as a society, we're not really taught how to actively listen and we're also not taught very well how to repair. So how to get to that point that where there is conflict and then de-escalate it. And that's where a lot of these challenges arise because we just continue to kind of shout at each other into the void instead of figuring out how to find some common ground. Mm-hmm. Or, or we just close the garage door. Yeah, I've I'm done da- that a few times. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm done with you. I, you know, I, I, I don't understand you. I don't, I, I can't engage with you and, and stuff like that. I'd love it though. What uh, would you say it was conversation and conflict? Mm-hmm. And then also to how to repair and uh, repair is a very powerful word because repairs is, it, you know, it, 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 it sounds like reset. How do I reset where I am in? I'm in the middle of something where it's getting ready to, to, to ramp up. How do I deescalate it? How do I reset this? And then that, that, that's the word you use for repair, which is a very powerful word. I like that. You know, and you said <laughs> you didn't, you didn't practice. That sounds like <laughs> Maybe this is just your language. This is your coaching style, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought a lot about communication coming from a sales background, having an interest in psychology. I think that it's a really important tool that um, we sometimes take for granted and don't invest as much as we maybe should in compared to the other skills that we may work on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had, and I think I've referenced this, this, uh, individual on my show, probably, you know, I've, this is our 39th episode. I bet she has been mentioned about 10 times, but Monica Guzman talks about, um, um, you know, trying to win an argument and, you know, the whole idea of curiosity and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And when we get in that situation where, you know, um, she says, my goal, my goal is not to try to win an argument because chances are based on what you believe, you know, how you believe it, how you've arrived at that, you're not going to really change my mind. If your goal is to win an argument, to change my mind, chances are that that's not going to go anywhere. But if you want to engage in a conversation, like you said, we're going to want to engage, want to communicate so I can learn better, understand why you believe what you believe or why you see things the way you do. Um, it, it allows us the opportunity to learn and understand more. It allows us to explore curiosity. But if I'm in a situation where I want to feel the need to win an argument or to make you see my point of view or to make you even um, align with my point of view, um, that's an entirely different behavior and a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And curiosity is that kind of number one underlying thing that I always bring to coaching. It's not so much about what I know. It's about what I need to know in order to be able to help. And so it's sort of a a good way to approach it. And I'm not sure if you've read it, but there's a really good book called High Conflict. Mm. Um, It's by a woman named Amanda Ripley. And she showcases some different case studies with people coming from very different points of view and how they kind of worked it out to be in relation to one another instead of being in conflict. And she really talks a lot about that power of curiosity as well. 
And one of the in, nope, one of the interesting things is um, getting curious about what the underlying story is that's bringing somebody to that point of view. So instead of talking about the facts or the impact of what they're believing, understanding the origin of it. And I think that's a great way to bring some curiosity to it because you can't have an opinion of somebody's history or backstory. It's exclusively theirs. So the only thing that you can do is bring some curiosity and openness to it to start. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely, um, a, you know, a fundamental belief that I have. I and I share that with you is is that you know your your background, your experience, how you were raised, where you grew up, how you were educated, how you experienced life, where you worked, the people you worked with. You come, you come to this world. You know, you know, you're you're obviously younger than me, but it, it, you know, you come to this world with your set set of experiences, right, and beliefs, and how they influence your life choices and decisions going forward. So to attack what you believe and why you believe it is stupid. It's better to understand how you got there. Cause then mm-hmm. I have a, I better I have a better sense of history. And it's, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Tell me more about, and um, you know, though, how those things influenced you, because then it gives me an appreciation for your journey, your story and how you're living it out today. And it does give me, it, it gives me in that situation, the opportunity to learn a whole lot more than the simplistic here, here and moment here and now moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Something that I'm curious about is the three ideas that you brought to this episode, right? So there was subjective reality, there's truth, and then there's beliefs. So how? what's your distinction between the three? Oh, good for you. You know, believe it or not, this I will I will fast to um, confess to you and to my audience. This is probably the most prepared I've ever been for a podcast. Mm. And the I reason honored. is... The, the re- and the reason, while it's, yeah, you need to feel honored because I did it because of you, because I know how organized you are intellectually and just structurally <laughs> organized anyway. But um, yeah, you know, I did sit down and I, and I, I kind of, I started with the whole idea of you know, truths and beliefs and this, and the subjective reality popped up. Um, this kind of funny because I don't normally use this, but I started, I've started using, um, what is it, AI, you know, whatever that stands for. I can't think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, artificial and they, intelligence and they drop that term in and oh man that makes a lot of sense so there's three terms and uh, and i'm glad you did that because i i actually went through the point of let's talk in context the definition of the three so um a belief is a mental attitude or conviction mm-hmm. um it is something that is true or real even the absence of concrete evidence and it was so when i say something that's true for me essentially is how they say mm-hmm. how i read that beliefs can encompass religion or philosophy or political or personal viewpoints that's a belief and you hold on to it and, and it's it's yours um a truth refers to a state or quality of being in accordance with facts reality or actuality so i look at that as you know we have a lot of people have these debates about science and stuff like that but it is it's things that have been have been proven and accepted by you know, generally proven accepted as so. And, you know, um, again, that's philosophy, science, and everyday life. There's just things that are true. And then the subjective reality is something that's based on personal experiences and perspectives, something that is real for me because. Hmm. And, uh, you know, how I look at that. So a belief is, you know, I, you know, and I always, you know, I, I, I've been hard on, on, on the religious community. I apologize, but, you know, um, faith is a belief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I believe in, and somebody shares what they believe in, and they and, they, and for them they they say it's a truth. But when you really boil it down, it's like, can you prove it? No, but I believe it. 
And so I, and I accept that. That's your belief. And just like somebody mm-hmm. says, I believe in God, but somebody else says, I don't believe in God. Well, you can you prove God? I don't know that you can prove God. You can go to a lot of exercises to prove why your belief in God is true. Knock yourself out. But that doesn't make God true. It just makes God true for you. That's a belief. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anyway, so that's that's kind of how I came up with the three belief, truth, and subjective realities. I came up with another one, but I can't find it in my notes right now. But it was, um, oh, um, uncomfortable truths. When <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uncomfortable truths is that despite the fact that you can't, you cannot refute it, and you don't like it, um, it's real. Mm, so something that you would prefer to deny, but actually can't. <laughs> right. Because because in the face of your argument, it all you're doing is running going around it, but you never ever you you just don't you refuse to acknowledge it. It's an uncomfortable truth. Hmm. Okay. But so I'm not way- going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's leave that for another guest. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. But it, I that did pop in my head as I was writing things down, you know, because uh-huh. that's that's where we get into it. You know, like, for example, the whole conversation about science, you know, it was an intense discussion and I'm not going to get on either side of this discussion. But when we were arguing about COVID and masks and stuff like that, there were some Mm -hmm. things embedded in those arguments that weren't really truths or beliefs. They were uncomfortable truths. We -hmm. did have a spread of a disease. How, Mm -hmm. why, where we needed to respond it. I don't know, but there was a lot of people that, you know, like were bantering around, but there were some truths in there. It was, Mm -hmm. it was spreading whether you agreed or not that it was spreading. Were there ways to stop it? I don't know, but there were people that were trying things. Well, I'm not doing that because it's like, you know, and I think those were that, I think that whole thing got into an uncomfortable truth myself. But Mm -hmm. like I said, let's, we should table that or we'll get killed by somebody somewhere. Totally. Yeah, I think it uncovered a lot of uncomfortable truths for a lot of people that they were unaware of. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. So what I heard out of that is kind of that beliefs are like in our thoughts, right? Thoughts that you use to govern. Truths are backed by facts. And then the subjective reality is things that feel inherently true that may mm-hmm. or may not be, but it's really about that feeling right. of it right. being a reality. Okay. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. And so like when I am talking about, that's kind of like the context that I'm, um, I am referring to these things, um, you know, but so anyway, that's, yeah, I did arrive at that. And I thought it was really interesting. I think subjective realities is an, is an interesting thing because we do have, we do have personal experiences and I, you know, mm-hmm. um, that makes certain things true for us. And um, I don't even know if that's a belief because something, you know, belief is something that, you know, kind of we inherently and develop over time, but there's things that happen to us in certain situations say, well, this is, this is really what, you know, what's going on. Yeah. But here's my exception. Cause when I, and they can talk about something that they experience personally, that really isn't the norm. But it is something that for them is very true because they experience that, and then they blanket it um, and make it and make it so as though every it occurs everywhere. Does that mm. make sense? I feel like there's a story that you're thinking of that's well, behind an, that. I I have an example, but I I always you know again you know I worry about some of my examples, but I remember one time. Um, you know, um, with, you know, talking with my mother-in-law, this was years ago, probably seven years Mm -hmm. ago, you know, she has since passed, but she was talking about, um, the fact that, uh, um, welfare abuser is, is, is rampant in our society. 
And I said, oh, I said, well, I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't feel like that. And I said, in fact, if you'd look at the data, the data says that, um, you know, the, what's it called? I'm drawing a blank on the term, you know, but abuse, you know, people fraud, you know, if you Uh look at statistically welfare fraud makes up, you know, about 10%, less than 10%. There's statistics, there's data on it. To me, that's, that's a truth, but we can, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll even fudge and play along with it. That's a belief. But my mother-in-law is embracing the story of a story that her son told her about somebody who was collecting unemployment while working under the table and everybody Mm -hmm. does it. Everybody does it. That's a subjective reality. Mm-hmm. No, not everybody does it. You experience somebody who does do it, but that doesn't mean everybody does it. That doesn't mean it's done everywhere. And it doesn't mean that that's the reason that there's so much fraud, you know, again, so much fraud when it's less than 10% of the contribution, those kind of things, they, a little spec, a little experience becomes a big fact. Not true. Not true. You know, what's the old saying is like, uh, I wish I could remember the things, you know, all, all something, all, 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 uh, all pit bulls are dogs, but not all dogs are pit bulls. <laughs> right? I you don't know. think I've ever heard that one. I'll have to use that. Well, people, you know, they use different ones. That was the one that popped in my head, you know, but it's a different, it's that kind of an example. Or, you know, somebody, we could continue that further. People who have an experience with, um, you know, a negative experience with a, with an aggressive dog, they, you know, if it's, say, if it's a pit bull, if it's the stereotype, oh, see, there's just that, that's typical of pit bulls. They're very aggressive. Is that truly, is that a truth? Is that a fact? Is that a belief? Is that a subjective reality? Because for me, I saw it happen. And mm-hmm. as a result, it's true because I've heard stories. I've heard stories in the past about pit bulls. Therefore, it must be true that, that all pit bulls are dangerous. So, you know, you can't have a pit bull. To me, that's a subjective reality. What's the mm-hmm. What's the real truth? What's behind that? Mm-hmm. You know? So does that make sense? Did I answer your question? Yeah, it definitely does. And I think that's important to realize because if your mother was not passing a judgment on somebody around her, it was a judgment based on kind of a societal group of people that she actually had no relation to, just a story that had formed this mm-hmm. belief. Mm-hmm. Right. And that also, too, you know, goes back to, you know, this. Uh, I was looking and reasons why, you know, people get into these arguments and that confusion occurs. Mm-hmm. And um, there were there were three things. This is true. See, I'm research. I'm going into my research here. But there were there were three things. First of all, one of them was subjectivity, right? It it is subjective. If you you know uh, you know if we're talking about a belief, that's subjective. Yeah. Um, you know, and I used the example earlier, just a simple thing about you know belief in God. That's subjective. You yeah. know, there are people who, who absolutely positively believe that they can they can they can make a case for the presence of God in their life. Great. Then if I can't, if I don't embrace that, that doesn't make me wrong. But then at the same time, they're going, yeah, but you need to understand that you probably that your you know your your belief that there isn't is wrong, and here's why. That's subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite questions around that I always love to use to challenge that perspective is according to whom. Yeah. Or compared to what? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's a very easy way to open up that conversation and that viewpoint because it could actually be true in a very certain circumstance. Yeah. Um, or when you realize that it's maybe according to just a certain type of person or a certain culture, then you realize that that it is 
subjective, right? That it could be a truth for that person or that culture, um, but not for the whole collective whole. Right. Which, which, you know, then gets into that, you know, that slippery slope when you, you know, say this is, this is my truth and this is, you know, this is the way I, and you start to impose that. I don't care what it is, you know, um, and I'm not calling out there. That's why I always get in trouble because I feel like I'm calling out the religious community, but um, imposing a lifestyle on anybody, whether, and it doesn't have to do just that, you know, it's like, you know, the, the reason, the reason that we have a health issue in our society is because um, everybody's lazy. Is that a truth? Is that a belief? Is that a subjective reality? I don't know. I don't think everybody's lazy. I just think that people are struggling to whatever it is, but they're struggling with different things. We have a health issue in our society because people are struggling to find ways to live healthily. But what does that look like? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so the subjectivity was one differing beliefs. We kind of talked about that. But the last one is the complexity of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the more complicated the the discussion, the more difficult it is to kind of sort through it. How and how well versed you are in you know in understanding the you know the the complexity of the situation. You know, I look at something like the discussion about global warming. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very complex issue. I'm not sure I even understand it. <laughs> you know, um, in in its simplest sense. I look at global warming and say, you know, my experience here in Arizona is every summer it gets hotter. Now, mm-hmm. is that is that is that climate or is that climate change? You know, is that just a seasonal thing that for we're in a sea we're in a series season in our in our existence where things are getting warmer, or is it the fact that every year that it's gotten warmer in Arizona for the last twenty years, a sign of something much bigger than I can comprehend? Yeah, or even saying just because it's something that you see in your daily life, is that true for the rest of the global population? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so th- that's the whole idea is, is that, and I, you know, I've used this, I, I have a firm belief anyway, that, you know, everything, most things can't be summed up with simple statements. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what we were talking about, even understanding, you know, each other, you have, you've, you've, you've lived the life you've lived. There's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of layers of experience. There's a lot of complexity in, in your experiences. When you're working with a therapist, you start unpacking a lot of things. So your story, you know, your your simple story could be this thick. It could be a thick book or it could be an encyclopedia series, right? It, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of layers of complexity. Some things just aren't simply surmised. Mm-hmm. You know, so... You know, to 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 boil them down with a simple statement or a simple conclusion, to me, um, diminishes the challenge to really learn and understand and go deeper to discover what I don't understand, things that I need to learn more about before I try to draw conclusions or get on a in a and make a, a position statement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have where you know, I can tell your world wheels are spinning. I'm looking at your face. <laughs> Boy, for being a poker player, I sure should have a better poker face. But uh... there's a mo- there's a moment where, <laughs> well, you know what the well, you are a great poker player. I believe you. I've never played with you, and I don't want to because I know I'd lose any because I'm not a great poker player. But um, there was a moment there where your smile disappeared, your eye, your your gaze got straight. And you were going, you were actually in a different place. So wherever that place was, uh, come back to it and share with us what you were thinking. 
Yeah, here's the question that arises for me is, what is the hierarchy of these three ideas? So is truth the ultimate winner in everything? Or is belief or your reality ultimately maybe more important in forming um, opinions and, um, you know, statements like you were saying, because I think that a lot of people strive towards understanding truth. And it seems like that's a value for you that you've recognized, but I wouldn't necessarily say that most people that I know act maybe more strongly on truth than they do on maybe their underlying beliefs or mm. the subjective reality that they believe. Um, yeah, I, I, well, the, to answer the question the way you asked it, I think you asked it uh, to me what I think the hierarchy is. So I guess that would be a, like my guide because it's only it's an opinion. But um, I don't, I'd have to admit that um, that I'm constantly looking for truth, but I rely on my beliefs mm-hmm. unless something interrupts it. You know, mm-hmm. confront, confronted with something, says Dave, you need to rethink this because. You and I read something, or I saw a study, or somebody in, you know gave me better information that said, you know, oh, wake up, your what's what you, what you're using as a guidepost needs to be reexamined because. So I would say that that um, for me, um, subjective realities and beliefs really define a lot of my behaviors. Mm-hmm. However, I'm always paying attention to am I am I heading in the right direction? Am I at least directionally correct? Or are there some things that I'm missing? Because mm-hmm. if I see something that says flag, dude, you're on, I think you're off base. And then I need to make a right turn and discover what it is that's causing me to believe that I might be off base. Mm-hmm. So the beliefs are the ultimate operating system, but truth is kind of that North star that guides when things get off course. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, definitely. Cause you know, we all get, we all get challenged. And, you know, I guess that's the thing is, is that when I'm, then that's why the, back to the, you know, listening and understanding, um, why do you think that, or what makes you believe that? And then you listen to somebody talk and they share, just like you shared the book, you know, um, you know, what was it called? Something conflict, um, high conflict, high conflict. Okay. It's like, Oh, it's something to read something to give me more perspective. Now that that person is, they're sharing their truth or their belief, however you want to look at it. But now it's what it does is it, 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 it inspires my, my belief. It makes me examine my beliefs and my, my guiding. So I'm, I feel like I'm always, I'm always in that quest to learn more back to curiosity. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I think, you know, the ultimate arbiter is when you when you're faced with the reality of the reality that, you know, I hey, I need to rethink how I'm going to respond to this going forward. Um, that's when it's like you recognize you recognize that your belief is, has been interrupted, whether it's a truth or or a more sound belief. You know, yeah. that's that that's that open minded rather than saying, nope, you know, I've, I've been here before. I know I'm right. You know, that's. I don't know. To me, that's that's just that's getting stuck. And sure, be- sure, belief can you can hold on to that belief, but what you've done is you basically said, "I am not." I've drawn a conclusion, built a box around it, a monument to it, as a matter of fact, and I refuse to even consider making a change. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and I feel like that's a lot of what's going on right now. But um, we are due for a break, and after the break, we might actually dive into that. Little silly statement. So anyway, we'll be back. This we'll be back with our continued discussion about truths, beliefs, and subjective realities with Kate Turner. 
See you later. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook and Kate Turner. We are talking about truths, beliefs, and subjective realities. Um, before we took a break, we talked about people getting stuck defending what they believe. Um, and, but before we go into that, I just wanted to make um, a, a comment that I thought about earlier today. Um, we, you know, we all have different um, measures or levels of how we look at our um, our Rolodexes. You know, the people that we have in our lives. And, you know, there are some people that say, you know, I'm connected to every CEO in the world or, you know, high influence individuals and stuff like that. And I just wanted to acknowledge Kate as um, for who she is in my Rolodex. And I feel like, you know, um, if I look at my Rolodex, I don't know that I know a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs. I might know one. But the truth of the matter is, is I've got the I am blessed by being connected with people who are really smart and they really give a shit about people and they know how to be in community with others. And um, Kate, you know, I appreciate you being on the show because you are a representation of that. So thank you so much. But to everybody who's in my, in, who sees themselves in my circle, you know, thank you because that's who you are. And that's who we are to me and my circle is that you know, I have a community of really cool people who care about other people and use their gifts and talents to make a difference. And, that's that's the value of my Rolodex, and that's the value in my Rolodex. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That makes me very emotional. <laughs> I feel very seen. 
You are very seen. You're very appreciated. And I am, um, you know, the other thing I, I probably haven't shared with anybody about you, but, and I haven't read the book in a while, but you gave me that uh, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. I think you said you read it every year. Do you still do that? I don't read it every year. I had at that point, yes. Um, But it's one of my favorite books to take when I travel because it's a nice thick book. um, And it also is talking about traveling. And then what I tend to do is write my name in it and then drop it off somewhere or give it to somebody and pass it on. So I've probably had 10 or 12 copies of that book (laughs) Uh, that are not floating around the world. (laughs) I have one and I haven't shared it. So maybe I might have to practice the Kate uh, Turner um, methodology and start sharing it because it's a great book, but you know, that's, that's the kind of thing, you know, we, 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 you showed up, we met each other and and you, you forwarded that gift to me and it was a great gift. So, you know, that's, that, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that I hang my hat on power or influence. What I do is I hang my hat on community and I, I just, and, and, and I'm blessed with that. So anyway, that's, that's an advertisement for that. But, um, you know, we talked about people getting stuck and, and the need to defend where they are or protect where they are. And, um, you know, when we were on break, we talked a little bit about, and I love the way you said it, because I said, do you, you experience that with the people you're interfacing? And you said, stuck is something I can't judge, right? I can't judge stuck, but I can, you know, try to under, do a better job understanding, help them understand what they, why they're hanging on to what they're, that belief that they're hanging on. Did I paraphrase that correctly? Or at least take it over from here. Sure. Yeah. You asked me if I deal with people being stuck quite a bit. And I said, yes. Um, But you also asked a little bit about, do they come with beliefs that you just think are like kind of crazy or off or need to be changed? And I think that's really the piece where I can't judge, right? What works, what doesn't work, or ultimately what is true for them. I could see maybe it's not true for me, or I could see a different way, but for the people that I coach, I have to meet them where they are. And so taking that on as that is their truth or that is their reality. And there's nothing that I can do that is going to take that away or change that. Um, but where my job is as a coach is to help them to first and foremost, acknowledge that that is a belief that they hold, or that is the reality that they are facing Because what I find is once you actually name that and embrace that, oftentimes the energy can automatically shift. And um, as you were talking about it, Dave, it sounds like, you know, that's your search for truth sometimes as if you are holding on to that belief or that reality. And then Mm -hmm. something makes you realize that you may need to have new information or you may need to do more research. That's what motivates that change. So it's not somebody telling you, well, that's false Mm -hmm. (laughs) that does it, right? It's probably that suddenly this belief doesn't work for you or you're not able to connect with somebody the way that you wanted to by holding that belief. So that's where I come in as a coach is to be that catalyst to help with first and foremost, the acknowledgement, and then the kind of gentle guiding questions to help uncover that piece that may need to shift or change. Um, Oftentimes, one of the best ways that I found to do that is to ask things like, where else is this showing up? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's a way for people to realize you know, that there is a habitual pattern. It's not just a single instance or that, oh, this is something that I've perpetuated for years and years and years. Um, And that is often a very big catalyst for wanting to make a much larger change than just in one single instance or to just, you know, be able to say, 
I'm stuck and I'm always going to be stuck because people have that history of being there before and getting out of it on their own or Mm -hmm. having a guide um, to do that. And so that can help with that hope and that roadmap that moves them forward. Got it. You know, you said something very early on that resonates with me and it's uh, as a, this is one of my core beliefs is meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a I'm a firm believer in meeting people where they are for who they are. And like you said, sometimes I find myself, you know, and, and, and I know that it's me as the critical thinker. I slip into going from critical thinking to judging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, that there that's a little crazy. That's a little weird. That's a little wild. You know, so that is a mm-hmm. judgment statement. But I try to move past that and say, okay, um, despite my assessment of what that is, meeting them where they are, because that's their truth. That's their reality. That's their belief, whatever it is. Um, and then better understanding, like you said, why they're holding on to that's the curiosity piece. But it also it enables them because as you ask questions, which is how you do it, you ask really good questions. They hear themselves expressing what they believe from not only what they believe, but how they got there. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, absolutely. And to go back to that book, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I really do think it's a valuable book. They introduce a concept um, called looping, which I use in coaching and use before I read this book. And I kind of called it mirroring, but um, you can even go back and listen to the beginning of this. I've used it with you, uh, which is paraphrasing. So once you've heard something, paraphrasing what it is that you've heard and then asking, do I have that right? Or Um, do I understand you correctly? Because it gives people a chance to then hear back what it is that they've said and to make changes automatically or to reiterate key points. And it builds that connection of understanding, of meeting them there, as opposed to adding in your own opinions, your own beliefs, or your own judgments to that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. It's funny that you talked about, um, you know, asking people questions and you know, they can hear themselves and, and, you know, I'm sure you have stories. I know I have a couple of stories, but the whole idea when you're engaging somebody or you and I've been engaging conversation and something comes out and it's like, Ooh, did I just say that? And it was like, mm-hmm. a, it was, it was, you know, it was me hearing myself and I go, Oh my gosh, no wonder. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh God, you know, it's like the big surprise. I remember one time, this is a story I had, I sat down with a guy, this was a sales call 20 years ago. And a guy goes, um, I don't think I need, I really don't think I need somebody like you right now, Dave. So, okay, well, let's just talk a little bit about your business, blah, 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 blah. And he started talking about what's working and the successes he's having. And he made a pivot to the challenges, issues, and struggles. And all of a sudden he turned because he was spending more time about the challenge, the issues, and the struggles. And he turned, he looked, and he says, you know, maybe I do need you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he realized that he was lamenting, you know, the stuff that, um, was getting in the way of his success. He says, I would love to be able to, but, and I can't, I've been going here, but, and after I'm all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I'm really telling, giving all these reasons why I do need your assistance, Dave, instead of talking at the beginning where he declared he didn't need me. I thought, this is beautiful. And what did I do? I just participated in the conversation by, by letting him talk and encouraging him to keep sharing and more stories and more perspectives and you know, and it was really interesting how it came out. He shifted his belief from, I don't need Dave to maybe Dave, let's talk about how you can help me. Yeah. Well, his belief was, I don't need anyone to help, but his reality was that there were challenges in his business. And the truth was that he could probably benefit from some help, whether it was you or not. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how those three work together. Um, but if you had just come in and said, no, 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 let me tell you what I do, right? The whole thing would have been off. He never would have shared anything else with you. Well, um, he, would and have he, probably, his, he would have defended yeah. his belief. Yeah. And he probably wouldn't have even sought out additional resources beyond your call either. Right. Yeah. Uh, he would have dug his toes in to the sand and said, nope, this is where I'm staying. Yeah. And that's the lesson to that whole thing is if I put somebody in a place where they have to defend what they believe, they're going to defend it. Mm-hmm. But if I said, you know, like if we have a conversation where we're exploring what they believe, why they believe it, how it influences their choices and decisions and behaviors, it creates a space for us, you know, number one, to understand it. But the more they articulate it, the more they decide how embedded they are in it or what the opportunities are for seeing something differently. Mm-hmm. Something that's coming up for me is how few of those conversations actually take place. Right. On a daily basis, how many times are you engaging in a conversation that gets to that level of depth and complexity with people? Not very much. Right. Yeah. And you and I are coaching inclined. We're very interested in psychology and recovering all kinds of things. Right. And even those of us that would be drawn towards that, right, engage in that level very rarely. Um, So it's pretty sad to say that that's available always. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we well, don't default to it. Well, you know, I look the uh, the plus side to that though is um, I always look at those things. And we don't get to that. Maybe we don't get to that place, or we don't, you know, cross, you know, cross into that, you know, nirvana kind of situation where people find themselves interrupting their thinking or or cat- capturing their own reality. But uh, what I really enjoy about the conversations, anyway, when I'm when I'm talking with people and you know, meeting them where they are and accepting their truth for what it is, their beliefs Mm -hmm. for what they are. Um, I always find that what it, what it does is that they, you know, I don't necessarily, they don't necessarily get approval from me because if I disagree, I don't disagree, but I, you know, um, I don't say, Oh, you're right. I say, that's interesting. Tell me more. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Okay. So we keep in. So one of the things that they learn, I feel like that hopefully they learn from me is that they're safe being who they are. Mm. which is important because I think that that's the other thing that we struggle right now is where's my tribe? Where, where am I safe? Where can mm-hmm. I be accepted? And I think that that's part of what's going on is we're retreating to um, we're creating these little silos of safety. Um, again, Monica's, you know, God bless Monica Guzman, but Monica <laughs> talked about separating othering and siloing. Mm. You know, first we separate them into thems. You know, there's there's those guys, there's those people, there are these people who believe this. And then we other them because we talk about why they're over there, why they're wrong or why they're screwed up or why I just can't hang out with them. Then we silo them. We say, I can't deal with them. Mm -hmm. And I think and I think a lot of that is is as much judgment as as much security and safety. Where am Mm -hmm. I safe with what I believe to be true? Because I, I want to hold on to that, but I don't know how to be myself and my truth. So I find a whole bunch of people that accept me for my truth rather than exploring or my beliefs, rather than exploring the opportunity that I could learn more by the interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's such a lack of safety that's felt by so many people that they're searching for it wherever they can and however they can. And there's a 
even just a, a lack of understanding around what actually creates that feeling of safety, that a lot of it comes internally from your body and your nervous system first, <laughs> not from mm -hmm. external sources. Um, but if you don't have that built up, then the next thing that you have to do is try to co-regulate with people who have sort of similar nervous systems to yours. Mm -hmm. Similar nervous system results in similar beliefs and mm -hmm. it just perpetuates. That's an interesting. So talk about that a little bit more because that's something I haven't heard. Mm. Um, around the impact of our nervous system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the nervous system regulates everything from our mind to our digestive system. It's all connected. And so if you're dealing with things like um, fight or flight, that is all felt in your nervous system. And that will change what it is that you think and feel and what you do. Um, so I, ideally being regulated, um, having a resource nervous system is going to contribute to that feeling of safety, that mm. feeling of being open to other things because you're not protecting yourself. You don't feel like you're in danger um, at a primal response. You know, you're not about to be eaten, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is not necessarily the reality for us these days, right? But we are primal animals. Um, and so learning to have that sort of regulation, that level of safety, um, or even just recognizing when you're in that dysregulated state, or you're in a heightened state of fight, flight, freeze, and being able to acknowledge that, being able to say, right now is not the time for me to engage in this level of dialogue or right now I don't have the resources to show up curious. Um, um, I simply just have that ability to be right now um, is great. Right. It allows people to then meet you there and to not push or pry. Uh, but a lot of people don't have that kind of level of awareness a lot of times. And so they seek it out externally. So you know, I guess I got a question is, is how does today's, um, I don't know, I want to use the word toxic as the first thing, but we'll say combative um, environment influence all that. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many factors that influence it. So the fact that we have access to so much information now um, that can be really contributing to it because we're just constantly trying to digest and assimilate information. So that puts people in a heightened state of awareness. Um, and then you have things like the news media, social media um, that are oftentimes right, contributing to negative messaging. Um, a lot of marketing is focused around negative things, right? Mm -hmm. Fixing things, problems that arise, preparing yourself for future <laughs> uh, catastrophes. And so that also contributes to that feeling of unsafety. Mm -hmm. um, and then to your point with who we surround ourselves with, we have such an easy way to access those that are like us these days and only have that, only have that be filtered to us sometimes without us even knowing that we're only taking in those ideas. So it's easier to feel like you are living in your truth when in reality, you're living in a subjective reality. Um, but it's only what you're presented with. And so that might cause you to then either feel like you're regulated when you're still actually feeding into a negative pattern. Um, 
And so you have to be able to kind of break free of a lot of that and reestablish a clear baseline um, to then be able to judge what is truly the truth versus a subjective reality that you're experiencing. And I'm going to do a show one of these days on fear for that reason. Mm-hmm. Because fear fear seems to drive or influence so many things so much today. Um, you know, and I am for me, I have a talk about a belief. I have a firm belief that, you know, when I don't you could call it truth, but we'll call it my belief is that there's love and there's fear. There are polar and there are polar extremes, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and for those who want to hang on to the Bible thing, it says, you know, per, you know, um, perfect love has no fear. Right. And so the idea being is the further away you go from fear, the closer you are to love and love is peace and gentle and happy and joyful and fear is, you know, disruptive and, you know, there are toxic emotions. And so what we're what we're exposed with is we're the closer we get to fear, the harder it is for us to love, including ourselves, because we're Mm -hmm. constantly afraid. We're constantly, like you said, on high alert. Am I safe? Am I going to get killed? Am I going to get criticized? Am I going to get judged? Am I going to get condemned? You know, am I going to get fired? Mm-hmm. Right. That's all fear-based behaviors. And if that's what I'm focusing on, how do I make sure that doesn't happen? What I've done is I've essentially turned my back on love, joy, peace, and happiness mm-hmm. because I'm focusing on the toxic emotions of what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway, yeah, I digress and- to another show, but <laughs> no, but I think it's a really fascinating topic, and you're exactly right. Um, and at some points there are legitimate fears. It's not about always focusing on love or always trying to turn your attention back towards it, being able to recognize when it is legitimate, when it is something that you need to take into account and act on um, versus when it's a habitual pattern that you might've just been conditioned towards um, or, or a loop that you might be stuck in that you need yeah. to break free of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is another, this is another Davism, another Dave beliefs, but I feel like some, you know, those, uh, when you talk about legitimate fears, those are like gut instincts. Mm-hmm. You know, you just feel like something, something's amiss. And then you decide, you know, it goes this way, but I feel like a lot of fear is cerebral. You start to think about being afraid, you know, and you start to, what, what, you know, things happen, sometimes you start thinking about it. And I don't know that it's, in, I don't think it's instinctive. I think it's, 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 uh, it's manifested in the head first as opposed to something that, ooh, you know, because your body senses danger. Your body senses it's it's a, it's a it's a physical thing. I feel like a lot of the fears that we talk to about people, it starts here. It starts in your head first and then manifests in other places. That's, you know, I don't know how you feel about that opinion, but. Yeah, well, it depends. The irrational fears versus the legitimate fears. And Leah, what I heard out of what you just said is that you get that gut feeling. Right. So that's mm-hmm. the instinctual thing where um, if you are in tune with your body, yes, your gut will tell you what is right and what is wrong and what is safe, and what isn't safe. Um, and then it sends those messages to our brain to then take actions. But what happens is that we are not taking in external sources through our gut. We're taking in external sources through our mind, right? What we're reading, who we're speaking to, the environment that we're in. And so then that's going to translate back into a message that goes the other way. And that's where you get things like anxiety, depression, disease that forms because of what you're actually ingesting and the thoughts that you're thinking, then it can manifest itself into the body because it's trapped there. Hmm. So there we bring you, bring it full circle to the episode of the day today is, is that um, you can have your beliefs 
um, reinforced or you can your your beliefs can be reinforced to the point where they 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 can hurt you mm -hmm. yeah your beliefs are generally forming your reality so change your beliefs, change your reality. And I think once you have that flexibility, that curiosity in it, then that opens you up to being more open to learning the truth and being more receptive to it, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we got we got three minutes left. And um, I, I know you probably didn't even plan this out, but we're going to give you an opportunity. So you told me what you do and how you do it. How do we find the great and wonderful Kate Turner. <laughs> All I can say is don't find her at a poker table because you better bring money to donate to her cause because she'll find it for you. Um, but how yes. can we, how can we find uh, Kate, the coach? Yeah. So my website is the best resource. It's kateturnercoaching.com. You are able to connect with me there um, and schedule one-on-one -on -one or group sessions. I also put a lot of content on LinkedIn. Um, my handle there is Kate Turner nine. So if you want to connect um, or get new ideas, that's probably the second best way to connect. Yeah, I would. I will tell you if you want to, if you don't want to talk to Kate directly to start, just go to that LinkedIn Kate Turner nine. Kate does uh, engages a lot and she shares information as well. So it's, um, I'm always, I always find myself going, Oh, I like, I, I want to participate in this conversation. <laughs> so um, I, I, I do appreciate the stuff that you do on LinkedIn and I, you know, you and I had uh, for the record had a, uh, had a coaching call and I really did appreciate the conversation that we had. So um, I, if, if this is enough for you guys, reach out to Kate, it's kateturnercoaching.com. Is that what you said? Correct. Or Kate Turner nine on LinkedIn. And um, as always, this was great. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thanks for having me. This was a great conversation. Did uh, did we? Um, you were curious going in as how I was going to do this. Do you think we uh, did? We satisfy your hunger? Yes, I think we did. I think what I really wanted was that distinction that you so eloquently presented. Yeah, we got to got to thank Chat GDP or whatever that crazy thing is. <laughs> But it, but it helped a lot. It's really interesting how that works. You, know, you type in some stuff and it gives you some things. You ask some questions, it gives you some more. So, wow, that really makes sense. But you got to start out with that. It starts with an idea and then some magical bullet, you know, kind of like clarifies the thought. And then I can decide what I like about it or don't like about it, what I want to use and don't want to use it. It's kind of fun. But anyway, uh, I'll admit it's a, I'll admit it's a cheat, but it's a, it's a healthy cheat. So anyway, <laughs> thank you, Kate. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. So for everybody else, next week, we are going to have um, Sharon Ray on and we're going to talk about fear. And because I teed it up already. In the meantime, um, pay attention to your, your beliefs and, and your truths and your subjective reality. See how you're engaging in conversations with people. Are you learning? Or are you defending? Are you arguing to win? Or are you listening to learn? And you decide, see where that takes you. Until then, keep your, your heart, your eyes, your ears, your mind open, because once you start listening, everything changes. This is David Cook. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.